Welcome back, everybody, to yet another edition of the Return of the Roar podcast. Chris Watkins, Frankie Cardicelli, as always, twice a week here. We are uh, we are recording uh, our second episode of the week. For all those who have not listened to the first one, please be sure to uh, go check that one out as we have returned uh, from a long, much-needed hiatus. Hibernation. Hibernation station. Uh, but we are back now, and we are full throttle uh, today we will be going through camp battles, the most intriguing camp battles, uh, which honestly won't be happening for another month or so. A month, yeah. It keeps. It feels like it's very close around the corner, and it is if you look at it in like the large scheme of things. But uh, a month kind of takes a while. I mean, we've had a month off here, and that's that, yeah. that kind of dragged on. Uh, it seems so. We'll see. But real quick, I have to ask you this before yeah. we get too far into it. Uh, last night, Patrick Beverly. <laughs> It's traded to the Lakers, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering, what is the equivalent of, like, the Kings' equivalent of that? Would the Kings need to go get Lonzo to pair with De'Aaron? Or do they, they don't even have beef, though, because, like, Pat Beverly literally, like, hates Russell. They hate each other. What, mm-hmm. Westbrook, what didn't Westbrook say about Pat Beverly? You, he fooled y'all. He just, he's just running around. Like, he really just runs around. Do the Kings need to go get, just, like, Jason Terry and make him an assistant coach? Like who is the most hated? I'm to think of like a rival, um, Spencer if Hawes. If I'm not mistaken, well, that's more of a fan thing. Like if I'm not mistaken, Russ hates Pat Bev, and I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure like back in 2012, 13 times when when he was still on OKC, Pat Bev dove for a ball. It was in the playoffs as well. He dove for a ball um, that like. You know, Russ was. I think he like tried to roll yeah. the ball. You know how like they roll the ball to save time. Yeah, walk the dog. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was doing that. And Pat Bev dove for the ball and then took out his ACL or something. I think like, it he was got hurt after meniscus. What didn't it tear yeah. his meniscus? Or I think he, so, or, or something came, like that. Or he came back from from a meniscus yeah. tear and he like I think it was kind of like a dirty play. Either yeah. way, yeah. But my bigger point is that there's like legitimate like reason for the it. beef and there's real implications there what what what's what's your i, I got the uh, the player if that kind of is equivalent if the kings would go get uh Jonas valanciunas to pair chemezi met to that whole thing that's all we have though i was on the Jonas side of that argument were you really is I it was. because the swinging the legs around him thing? yes uh i think we might have been doing the podcast at that time and uh it's been, it's been like two years now yeah, I was. Uh, I just yeah, Mezzi was definitely hanging on the rim and definitely was wrapping his legs around Jonas's his neck, and uh, yeah, you know for sure he threw him down and that was definitely op, but not as op as trying to sit on someone's shoulder like you're like you're a four year old. So yeah, you know that's the kind of things that's going to happen when you go on a seven footer's back is they're going to they're going to well it's also it's Valanciunas. Who I mean, unless you have Demarcus Cousins coming at him, he's yeah. not afraid of anybody. Which that's one of the funniest things. I'm trying seen. to think, maybe like, <laughs> maybe if the Kings got KD, you know, like <laughs> I mean, you know, HB probably doesn't feel great about you know pretty much just being replaced in Golden State uh, one for one. He's too like professional to like for I mean, sure. Yeah, have any comments? That's not or really anything. direct. I he's guess. not petty. You remember when Alex Len and, uh, and Ooh, CJ. Uh, CJ got in that little fight, that little scrum? The Kings definitely should not go out and get CJ. I'd be very, very yeah. angry. <laughs> he is so bad. Yeah. CJ's, Just kidding. He's not bad. You know, CJ's, uh, CJ's bagged out, though. Oh, yeah. How, yeah. You know, I forget um, about that. Like We were talking about, like I think, playoff teams a week or maybe the last time we recorded a month ago about who in the West. And, like, the Pelicans, if Zion is healthy and CJ, that's good for them. But... Yeah, anyways, sorry. Just wanted to kind of start it with uh, who's been fighting and now could be teammates yeah. discussion. I don't know if there's anybody really. The Kings are never really. Kings are never really. They're never good enough to get emotions squabbles. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, man. Like, even Malik. Can't think of anybody. Kavar. Malik and Michael Jordan <laughs> smacking him on the back yeah. of the head. <laughs> yeah, so our options are either Kevin Durant or Michael Jordan. Michael, <laughs> Those are the King's biggest rival, or King's player's biggest rival. Michael Jordan, backup three. Backup three could definitely fit. And you know what? We'll, I'll, I'll write him in right now because, uh, yeah, today, as I mentioned, we will be doing uh, the training camp battles that we are most looking forward to seeing. Uh, obviously, you know, just just break it down for no need to leave the suspense. 
Uh, we will be talking about the Kevin Herter versus Malik Monk matchup. Uh, who that one will will be the only matchup that actually has starter implications. Uh, one will be a starter. One will presumably come off the bench. Uh, we're going to talk about Quinn Cook against Matthew Dellavedova, two uh, third string guards that were signed late in the offseason, maybe like a month or so ago. Uh, one, only I assume only one of them will make the actual roster. Maybe none of them do. Um, we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about Trey Lyles, uh, Chemezi Metu, and Terrence Davis, and how they fit into uh, into rotations, and if if you know it's a situation where they need to play themselves into some minutes. But without further ado, let's get into it. Uh, we're going to start from the top. The most intriguing camp battle to me, and I'm sure to you, and I'm sure to most Kings fans, it's been talked about since we acquired them both. Kevin Herter and Malik Monk, both kind of do 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 similar things uh but at the same time they also offer their own unique flair which you know makes them an individual uh and i think that you you can make an argument for each one for why they fit better into the starting lineup um frank first first things first do you feel like you you're leaning towards one way in in particular between the two i am i mean i think that and it's kind of widely seen as a front runner uh kevin herter who the kings brought in who was kind of partially starting for a, a playoff team. They're a perennial playoff team the past couple of years in Atlanta. Uh, you look at what he brings as far as his length. He's six foot seven. He can defend the two and the three. I think he even mentioned he could defend the four a little bit. I'm not sure how much I actually want to see that, but that is what he said in his, his uh, welcome press conference. But um, just looking at like, it's kind of like the track record. Malik Monk just seems like a guy to me that is best suited as a spark plug off the bench. Kind of what we wanted Buddy Heald to be. Well, Malik Monk was that last year for the Lakers, a bad Lakers team, mind you. But, I mean, I know everyone out there is kind of envisioning the, the Monk-Fox backcourt to kind of reignite the Kentucky flame, and we might see that at some point during the season. There might be some lineups where uh, maybe HB you know, has goes down for a game or two and they, they want to slide her to the three, they bring Monk up to start up the two. That could happen, but uh, to me, just based off of the fact that Herter is, is a better defender on paper, uh, he brings more length. He's a better shooter on paper over the, over the course of his career. Uh, you know, like Chris, you, you got here in the notes, career Kevin Herter, 38%, Malik Monk, 35 I mean, obviously, this is a whole career we're talking about, the career span, but uh, I just feel better about having Herter in that role. I mean, do you feel the same way, or are you kind of thinking you want to watch the battle play out and have it kind of go from there? No, I'm definitely a, a Herter, uh, Herter supporter for sure. I mean, I, I think, like you said, Malik – just kind of seems like a more natural spark plug to come off the bench. Uh, his scoring is kind of more explosive where, um, you know, if you were to put him in a starting role, he might, you know, even if he has a 15, 20-point game, more than likely the way that Malik plays, those things come in spurts, and he really just kind of gets hot and takes over for like five minutes. And that's really exactly what you want from a bench guy. Herter's kind of more of a, an accumulation of buckets. He's, uh, you know, people have talked a lot about how that's that's how Keegan Murray's game is a lot like. Um, you know, you don't see him just kind of take over for a period of time. It's just this guy will hit uh, all kinds of shots. That's the thing that I've been most impressed uh, watching Kevin Herter film is just there's really not uh, a shot that he doesn't have in his game. He's not excellent at attacking the rim, but uh, he, he's he's figured out, obviously, his three-point shot is something uh, that's going to be a real weapon for him, but he can also take a couple dribbles in, pick a pull-up. Uh, he has a decent floater game, which I was surprised by. I just think Herter's a more all-around kind of player, uh, and I also love the defensive upside that he brings. You mentioned him being six seven. He's obviously taller than Malik Monk, longer than Malik Monk, uh, and I think a, a people forget De'Aaron Fox is a big guard. He's six four. Uh, he's long. He's quick, obviously, and I just think the the combination of length in the backcourt of of Herter and Fox is really something that excites me. Um, think about what they gave up to get her too. I don't think you give up nothing. You kind of hamstring nothing. your. Well, they give up the, the future first. Nah, that's. But the, but you hamstring yourself. Yeah. You can't give that up for a bench guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not a huge. I think because there was also some protections on it, and if the Kings are bad, they'll keep that pick. I'm, I'm not really too concerned about losing a. You know, whatever. I think it was top fifteen. Well, you don't, you don't want that pick like to that. matter. We don't. Exactly. You hope it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, and if Kevin Herter playing well would be a big part of that. So you assume, you know, if you if you give away, 
the 18th pick in the draft for Kevin Herter, to me that seems that seems totally fair to me, and I, I would be able to I'd be able to stomach that every day of the week. Um, do you think I have written down here? Do you think Fox and Monk's relationship should play a part in this decision? Obviously, probably you know not solely based off that you're not going to give Malik Monk a starting role, but do you feel like um, you know obviously that built-in chemistry with the two will play a role? Just in Malik's minutes, do you do you foresee that they're going to try and and get Monk and Fox out there as much as possible? I mean, I I think that it's going to be a closer by kind of committee situation at the two mm-hmm. guard, maybe even the three in some situations. Or I think everywhere except for De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis is going to be a closer by committee. So I don't think it's going to matter as much for the starting position. I don't think that the Fox Monk relationship is going to play a role in the starting lineup. But I will say that. It already did play a role in him being becoming a Sacramento King. Mm-hmm. Like the whole reason why Malik Monk is here is because De'Aaron Fox. He said that himself that Fox is the reason why he is here. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how how games unfold because if Kevin Herter's struggling and Malik Monk's kind of being that sparkle off the bench like we talked about, he's going to close out games next to probably Davion Mitchell, Harrison Barnes, and and Sabonis depending on the situation. So. Uh, starting though, I think you, you need to put your best guys out there, your best five to get off on the right foot. We've seen the Kings come out and get put in a hole so much over the years, and uh, Kevin Herter's been there. He's played for a winner. Uh, I think I want him out there on the floor with Aaron, and that's just kind of how I feel right now. That could change, mm-hmm. but coming out of camp, that's what I see. You mentioned the closing lineup uh, and how it'll be by committee more than likely. Do you think you could foresee a lineup of Fox, Monk, and Herter uh, working well together? I mean, in the NBA, it's all small ball now, yeah. right? So I think it. I think we will see something like that at least once this year. It could be because of injuries to, to one of the big guys. But uh, I mean, there are so many teams out there that probably will put out a similar kind of quartet or, or trio of guys that are under six eight, six nine to play those one through three positions. So um, that's not a bad three to put out there. Fox, mm-hmm. Monk, and Herder. I mean, Herder, like we, we talked about. He could play three, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a lineup I could see the Kings doing at some point. But um, opening night or, like, out the gates, I mean, I do think, which we'll talk about later, it's going to be one of Keegan Murray. Maybe Trey Lyle sneaks in there. We'll talk about that. But um, I do think having Herter and Monk as your, your starting and backup two, that's the best depth the Kings have had at the, shoot, the shooting guard position in I can't even remember. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, probably since uh, like Tyreek and Marcus Thornton. Yeah, like that was a real one-two that? punch. That was like, but I think both of these guys should start. Honestly, <laughs> what 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 times those were? I'm uh, trying to think about other shooting guards. The Kings. What what depth did the Kings Kevin have for Martin, shooting guard? Uh, Kevin Martin. Who was it? Before? It was Buddy Heald Buddy last Heald. year, and was it Davion? Uh, Not Davion. Uh, uh, Buddy and Bogey was a pretty good. Oh, Buddy Bogey yeah. was good. Yeah, that's pretty decent. Buddy Bogey was good. And like they kind of reversed one time, Bogey was a starter, yeah. buddy. Yeah, both of them were about Damn, at the same good. level of, of player at that time. I for sure, a, I forget about Bogey sometimes, and I remember, and then it makes yeah. me kind of upset. Yeah, well, Bogey was also injured a lot of his time in Zach, and you know, yeah, he's, he's still kind of it's it's never been anything major, thank thank God, but it's he's always just, just been little ticky tack things that make him miss fifteen twenty games throughout the season. He's and, kind of bad. His lower half of his body's questionable. Yeah. Just yeah. legs and his mm-hmm. feet. He's got a, got a lot of problems yeah. with those, but. Um, is there anything else about this matchup that intrigues you or anything else you're you're curious to to see between these two? I think we just kind of should declare declare our our uh, final prediction, I guess, or what we want. Mm-hmm. And I would say I'm 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 going with Herder. If 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 it's training camp, if they don't come if Mike Brown does not come out the first week of camp and I'm sure he'll be asked by by one of us about who is the starting two guard, I I think that because who who was it? Because was it Mark Cuban or uh, Jason Kidd? Already said like during the draft that was it not DeAndre Jordan? Uh, he said someone is their starting center. Is it DeAndre Jordan? No, Mike Malone said that. Who said something? People are already declaring who's starting, who's not idea. starting. Someone already declared who's a starting blank or whatever. So I don't see any reason why Mike Brown wouldn't come out and say if he knows who his guy is, Kevin Herter. Oh, Kevin Herter's a starter. Now if he says, oh, we're up for competition, who knows? Mm-hmm. I'm very intrigued, but I would I would say I'm 90% certain, 99 I'll, I'll say 91% certain. Kevin I would be dead. borderline shocked if uh if Malik Monk earned this starting role over Kevin Herter. The only way I can maybe see them them you know or Malik starting is if they decide 
for whatever reason, it's been whispered about. There's been no official word, but supposedly uh, the Kings aren't a hundred, you know, aren't guaranteeing a starting spot for Keegan Murray. So maybe they want to throw out a Fox, Monk, Herder, Barnes, Sabonis lineup to start the year, and then just kind of wait for Murray to to kind of get his feet wet a little, but. Um, that would really be, you know, and obviously injuries barring, you know, if, if Harrison or something, let's say Harrison has to go to a city council meeting or something and really has to miss the game. Uh, I could see, you know, Malik Monk spot starting a couple games and then moving Herder up. I didn't realize how, uh, I mean, opening night, I don't think it's what Jeremy Grant versus Murray if Murray starts, but that Clippers game, the second game, he's going to have to guard one of Kawhi or Paul George, and that's kind of a tough welcome. That's great. Welcome to the NBA moment. Uh, by the way, the player that I was – could not remember. Uh, it's JaVale McGee. Jason Kidd said at Summer League, JaVale McGee is our starting center opening night. So, interesting. people are... Poor Dwight Powell. Can't catch Poor Dwight Powell. Can't. Um, so, yeah. Anyways. I think that's good on that one. Um, you know, yeah, like you said, I mean, I was going to list the uh, their measurables, Go but ahead. honestly, it doesn't you do really that. Matter. You know, Malik Monk is a 6'3", 190. He's 24. Uh, Kevin Herter's six seven. Don't have his weight, twenty three, um, which actually surprised me that that uh, Herter is actually younger than Malik Monk. What would you guess Kevin Herter's weight? I have it right here. Uh, two ten. I honestly, I had guessed one ninety eight, like five. He's one ninety. Wow. I think that's what Malik was listed at, right? Yeah. Malik, Malik's oh, a, two hundred. Malik's listed at two hundred. Wow, got some size. That's to interesting. Him. I don't one, think, one of them is lying, for yeah, sure. One of, them, <laughs> or one of them is wrong, I should say, not lying. Yeah, I don't know. The, the, I don't know, man. It's hard to build muscle in the NBA. Yeah. We talked about those. Yeah. It's hard to kind of keep burn that. It. Like, yeah. Unless you're HB or LeBron or... Buddy was pretty pretty, pretty yoked. Speaking uh, of uh, someone who's not yoked. Actually, you know, you know what? I saw a picture. Who is not yoked? I saw a picture of uh, him playing in Australia. He actually does look like he's, he's, he's pretty cut up. so disrespectful. Okay. Delvadova? What? We're going to talk now about Quinn Cook, Cook, Quinn Cook against uh, Matthew Delvadova. Uh, apparently, Matthew Delvadova, according to Frank, is not ripped. Matt is just like, he's a unit, bro. Like He's like a, a rugby player. I mean, I, I, is that... Is that racist to call him a rugby player because he's, he's Australian? Australian? No. Is that ra- <laughs> <laughs> We're so, calling a segment here. What is racism? What do, is that like would that be considered race like like that's his know. nationality. I think it's uh you're 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 profiling him because profiling he's would definitely be the better Australian yeah. so you're assuming he plays rugby. Yeah. Yes. But there we go. maybe he does play rugby. He looks like a, he would be. He a looks rugby. like I mean, a rugby you know, player. Yeah, he's and he's played like one a rugby player before. Obviously, Matthew Delvadova. Well, um, I think I think it's like how we play soccer out here. I mean, they they play probably soccer or football. I don't know if yeah. they call it in Australia. We have an Australian listener, a couple Australian listeners actually. Shout out. Um, so I I would have to ask them, but uh, he definitely seems like a guy that grew up in very scrap in a very scrappy environment because what we saw from him in Cleveland. And how he just kind of sacrificed his body on pretty much every play. Um, yeah, I would I would say it's fair to assume that. Should we look it up? Matthew Delvadova, rugby? If he played rugby, I, I would almost guarantee at some point in his, in, in his life he has. I mean, he's like 6'4", which is obviously large to a normal human, uh, and is a great athlete. Uh, I would definitely assume he was. And he's got that grit, that tenacity. Christopher Lott is in the studio, and he, he has uh, airdropped me a picture of uh, Kid Rock flipping me off. <laughs> so, that's, uh, that's that's real nice. That's hilarious. Uh, that's, I'll accept it. I, mean, I hate I hate Kid Rock. I oh, I thought you were going to say I hate Chris. I no, was like, I man, hate So him. many people hate um, Chris. <laughs> okay, guess what? Guess what? He There's a video... Matthew Delvadova said that rugby made him tough. One hundred percent. I mean, he plays like a rugby player. Like, if you remember, which of course everyone does, the uh, the NBA Finals. I can't remember what year it was. It was uh, the year Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love went down. LeBron's first year in Cleveland when uh, they went to the NBA Finals against the Warriors. They had nothing left, and they had to put Matthew Delvadova on Stephen Curry, and. Delvadova put up the series of his or a series of games 
uh, of his life. So much so he gave it all. He, uh, I remember him being like completely dehydrated after a game and had to go to a hospital to get fluids and then showed up and played the next game, did the exact same thing. Um, you know, you, me, and Brendan like to make jokes about having that dog in him. Matthew Del Vadova has like a, a freaking pound inside of him. Like he is just, he's so, he's, he is the definition of having the dog in him. He's got like uh, a junkyard with like a lot of like Rottweilers yes, and pit bulls exactly. defending the yard. And exactly. He's, that's what Matthew Del Vadova yes, is. 100%. He's got inside of him. And he's got it inside of him. And I think that's the question is, is does he still? Does he still? Because he's, he's that, we are we are a few years removed from there, and you know I'd probably be surprised to learn that it's actually been like six or seven years since then. So that's a long time, especially when you're talking about you know a kind of fringe NBA guy. How much does he still have left in the tank? I'm not sure, but just based off of you know the, the fact that I've seen him do that before, and obviously Quinn Cook has never been. On you know, he, Quinn Cook is a two-time NBA champion, but Quinn Cook has never really had that kind of platform or that stage to perform that well. Um, I definitely lean towards Matthew Delvadova just because I don't imagine either of these two playing too much anyway. And if for whatever reason we'll say De'Aaron or Davion has to miss three games or something like that, I just have a better feeling that Matthew Delvadova can put three solid games together a lot more than I believe that Quinn Cook could put three solid games together. Let me start with, I thought Matthew Delvadova was like 35, 34. He's, he's, 31. <laughs> he's 31. He'll be 32 in yeah. a couple weeks here, but he'll be 32 entering the upcoming season, which is kind of crazy to me. Uh, also, I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago, but his nickname is Outback Jesus on Basketball yes. Reference. Yeah, top tier. Outback Jesus is, that, is a, that is a top tier nickname. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean, hey, look—he's he, a veteran. He's been there. Him—you could say about both Delvadova and Quinn Cook, though. They both have played in the finals. They mm-hmm. both have been on playoff runs. They've played for established winning teams. Like Delvadova played for the Cavaliers during their finals runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quinn Cook has been on a couple finals teams, and then the Lakers and the Warriors. That are well, the Warriors—he's kind of a, a small part of their dynasty there, just kind of being in the room with those guys, mm-hmm. being in practice with those guys. Lakers as well. They they can bring the that to the Lakers, team. I believe. They can bring that winning kind of punch to mm-hmm. this team. And look, I'll talk myself into whatever. We joke, and I've joked with like Bryant West of the Kings Herald about how I'm I'm not all for Delhi, and I wouldn't say I'm all for either of these guys really. Like I, I don't think there's really a clear cut. This makes the Kings so much yeah, better. We are, I, we are picking nits at this. Point. Yeah, it's like the third string point guard because to, to, to really kind of put it into perspective, if one of De'Aaron Fox or Davion Mitchell go down for any amount of time, it's it's really not good. Panic, yeah. It's not going to be good Panic at all anymore. if the Kings are playing Delvado for 20-plus minutes a game or Quinn Cook 20-plus minutes per game. Or, God forbid, they both get hurt. Mm-hmm. Then they got to – because it lets – I'm going to predict – so here's my honest prediction right now because I just kind of – I have a hunch. My hunch is it's Delvadova, and my other hunch is Quinn Cook's going to go to Stockton and kind of just be their kind of reserve. That's kind of what I feel too. That's why – that's my hunch. Yeah, I, I – I would like to think Quinn Cook probably feels like he deserve or will will want to have the best possible shot of making an NBA roster. So I'm not sure if he would obviously be happy with that. But um, you know, yeah, if the Sacramento Kings can be in control of this situation, I think to me that's that's by far the best outcome. But the Mike Brown effect too, like if Mike Brown does have a, you know, and Kent Bazemore, we're going to talk about him next. But how, by the way, the deal has not been announced still. Casey so, Akpala as well. Casey Akpala, both have not been announced, which is very interesting. Those are our backup threes. <laughs> but the uh, the Mike Brown effect, as far as guys that have played for the Warriors, like or the Warriors or for Ni- Team Nigeria, coming on into the fold here, uh, I don't know. Does does Quinn Cook have a leg up in that discussion? Because he did play for Mike Brown in Golden yeah. State. Yeah, I think that's definitely something to have the previous relationship. And I, I know I've heard some people say that Del Vadova played for uh, Mike Brown under the Cavs. He did not. I think nope. he missed him by one or two years. Actually, I think he missed him by one year because Mike came back to coach the Cavs for he, one season. He did play for him for one season, and yeah. it was the one season he came back. So yep. he, he does have one year with Mike Brown. So mm-hmm. they know each other. They, they know each other. 
But um, that was, I think, Delvadova's rookie season, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. It's right here. Excuse me for a moment. Okay. Yeah, rookie season. So, I mean, it's literally a decade ago we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's not like it was recent. It's not like the Quinn Cook thing was, what, two years ago? Yeah, I think it was three years ago at this point. Yeah. So, not sure if that's going to play into the to the decision at all, but mm-hmm. it does seem like there's a trend with the moves that have been made this offseason outside of Kevin Herter and Malik Monk. Uh, you know, like the Chima move, Kent Bazemore. Uh, Quinn Cook in the discussion. Is there anybody else I'm missing that has Mike Brown ties that was brought in? No, not that was brought in. No. Casey Akpala, if they, if, I don't think he. Oh, I guess he. Would, yeah. yeah, Nigeria. Yeah. I believe. I believe so. Yeah, no, he's Nigerian. So, uh, my question about this is kind of like a bigger philosophical philosophical question about the team. Big word. Does the overall decision of this Cook versus Delvadova, whoever makes the roster? Could that be an early indicator of what kind of style this team is trying to play? I think a lot of people um, are expecting this team to play fast because De'Aaron Fox is the point guard and uh, they're kind of running small ball with Sabonis being a center, I think. Um, And then, you know, obviously Harrison Barnes at the four. I think people assume that this team is going to try and run, but I don't think anything about Mike Brown's past says that that is his style. And if anything, I think we could especially if Matthew Delvadova makes the roster, I could see this team trying to grit and grind ways through uh, to victory. I think we've seen in the past that this team is not, you know, they, they can't outscore teams. That's what they've been trying to do for the longest time here is just put up more points than the other. Um, is there a chance that Mike Brown comes in, completely tries to flip the philosophy on its head, makes them a defensive team, tries to win every game 105-100, um, and could Matthew Delvadova, who's definitely a less offensive-minded, uh, less of a shooting threat, more of a slow-it-down, natural, I wouldn't say natural playmaker, but definitely more natural than Quinn Cook, who's, who's you know, he's, Quinn Cook shot 40% from three from his, for his career, um, whereas Delhi has shot, uh, what is it, 36% for his career. Um, you know, not that 36 yeah. is a slouch, but I just think... Uh, you know, if if you're going to bring in Delhi, that's clearly more of a uh, of a stylistic change than it's Quinn defense. Cook. I mean, it's yeah. it's like defense pest, like mm-hmm. a, a well, player it, that's yeah. going to be a disruptor. Mm-hmm. I just think if you look at the players that are on the team as well, like it's really not. It's I, I just don't think a lot of the guys are offensive stars. You know, I think it's it's really De'Aaron and Sabonis. Uh, Harrison is an okay scorer. We'll see Keegan Murray's more of a catch-and-shoot guy at the moment. Herter's not creating much off. I just don't think that we have a super explosive offense. I think most of our guys, um, including Mike Brown himself, are more defensive-minded and have uh, more more defensive ability than like excellent offense. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of just kind of, as far as the offense goes, I mean, you don't have Buddy Heald anymore, who I think you were penciling in for 20 points per game once upon a time. I mean, that that that's gone. Tyrese Halliburton wasn't really a scorer. But I mean, he's gone. But you have Davion Mitchell, who has proven he can be a 10-plus point-per-game scorer. He was during his rookie year. We'll see. I mean, he did last year. We'll see. He did after he after De'Aaron sat for twenty yeah, games and those he numbers are dominated al- the ball for those numbers are a little boosted because of that for sure. I mean, if he's coming off the bench, he obviously would be on a in a bench unit with with Malik Monk, Trey Lyles, or Tremezi Matu. That's our next talking point. Uh, backup three could be TD, could be Kent Bazemore. That's kind of the discussion. Or Sean Holmes, so he would not be the primary uh, the primary scorer in that lineup for sure. Even though that's not really again not the sexiest you know names on there as far as scores go mm-hmm. but uh kind of put a bow on it if you if you are looking at the stylistic point of view and making this decision that's why I do I do agree that bringing in somebody like Del Vadova mm-hmm. kind of goes with the defensive side of things and maybe you're right maybe they are focusing on on that defense so much that they are going to say hey let's go like you said hold people to 100 let's hold people to 100 tonight mm-hmm. or 110 to be realistic cuz the yeah. kings gave up what 120 last year I think it per was, night yeah something stupid like that 117 or something let's let's start like realistic and let's go let's go 108 109 let's try to get it under 110 points per game that could be a goal and let's try to just score 113 every night mm-hmm. like let's try to score these guys by four or five points a night and uh at least two possessions that's kind of in my mind the goal yeah. and if that's a goal you bring in Del Vadova cuz as much as I do like the possibility of having a person like Quinn Cook 
on the bench that can just be a guy that can be a knockdown shooter. The Kings have knockdown shooters. They really yeah. do now. Harrison Barnes, Herder, Monk, TD can be a guy for you. Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray's out there. I mean, he was really good in summer league, so they really don't have any shortage of that at this point. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think I said a while back, too, that they need a couple more defenders, and maybe that makes me kind of officially coming around the Del Vadova train. But they, not that he's a great on ball defender, but he, he is someone that can go out there and cause some problems for him. Yeah. So, also, I would live to see. The Warriors coming to town and it being a close game. <laughs> Steph Curry's got 38 yeah. in the third quarter, and you just see Delvadova get up and take yeah. his warm up off. Just starts foaming at the mouth. It's time. I know what to do. I've been here. He's weak. He takes off like his, he's like a, I don't know, he's got like a robe on. Yeah. Just like he's going to go box or something. He's ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Just keep him in ice. Just for the, I mean, we played the Warriors three times in the first, what, month and a half yeah. or so. Just keep Delhi for that month and a half and then cut him. And it's they got him. Yeah, once that's the Warrior game, once, totally the, once the Curry games are over, I've just... got no issue with that. Um, I don't expect them to play much anyway. But uh, is that? Are you good? I, I'm, if I'm going to put my official stamp on it, I actually think Quinn Cook is going to win them. You win think the he's going to win? I do think at the end of the day he's going to win the battle because of the Mike Brown connection. No, I just think he's younger. I think he's. You know, I just I think that they're going to like it more. I don't know. It's just a gut feeling. Your I gut have. feeling. Yeah, I, I, I also kind of. As as much as I do love Delvadova and the idea of Delvadova, I do feel like he's probably his his legs are shot. His legs, his body. I mean, he had yeah. so many injuries, and and I think he had like a head a head thing, like a headache. He did. Thing, yes, he had concussions really bad. Yeah, and rugby guy mm-hmm. probably has a history of it. So, uh, no, I mean, I I could see both happening. I my guts has Delvadova. Our guts are kind of fighting on this, yeah. but I would again. I'm fine with either scenario. Yeah, I, it's a, like, it's like you said at the top, I don't think this is going to make or break the roster. You know, it's not going to make or break our success at all. It's just kind of I think it honestly does kind of come down to styles. You know, which which we we kind of are just unclear about. Can I make moment. a side note? Absolutely. This is why I was so like the only moment of the off season where I went like like I got angry was when I saw that they did not bring. Did not bring back DeLon Wright. Because DeLon Wright is someone that would be perfect to have in this role. He can play one, two, three. Yeah. I mean, having him not as a third string, but kind of like that utility. He's like mm-hmm. like a utility person off the bench, like yeah. in baseball or something. Like that. I talked about that before. And I just really liked what he brought when he was here the first time in Fox. And he had a great end of the season starting at point guard. But uh, having him off the bench kind of to be that backup. One, two, or three would be nice. That's all I'm saying. Better than these options. I th- definitely think as a third string point guard, Delon Wright is almost overqualified. But I think he's he's kind of in that middle range where it's like I would like to get a better backup, but he's also overqualified as a third string. Definitely so. overqualified as third string, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to this next section here, where I am titling "Where do their minutes come from?" Because honestly, I. I've, you know, you, you you can look at the depth chart. These guys are all returning players, but um, with with the new additions from the team or to the team, um, it's kind of up in the air on what exactly their role will be for this upcoming season. Uh, which one of the three do you want to start with? I think we, we should start with the one, uh, the player who is most likely to for sure get rotation. I mean, not for sure get rotation minutes, no, I hear but what you're saying though. I think that Trey Lyles is is yeah. right now the, the front runner for the backup power forward position. Which, I think that there's a chance that he might start. I do. I, really? I don't believe that he should, but I, from from for whatever reason, I feel like we've heard. Um, I cannot even honestly. I cannot even remember where I heard it. Like I would love to say that this is some. You know what? Kings PR told me, but I honestly don't remember. Who I'm gonna said back. It. I'm gonna backpedal because I'm I'm thinking about this and I'm I'm truly envisioning it, and I think Shemezi Matu is gonna start at four. I think Trey Lyles actually might not be in the rotation. I will like, I will stop supporting this team. People have been saying how good he looks this offseason working out. He's been at those workouts like with with like Kevin Durant like in those open gym stuff, open gym runs. Like I I know he is a big Mike Brown guy. Oh, Mike thanks. Brown, I'm pretty sure. Like, I don't know. I I I just I think he would. I I was certain he was going to be cut this offseason. Yeah, not happening. I just can see, or I can see it being okay. Well, we'll have an athletic, kind of lengthy guy who can who can shoot in certain situations, play the starting four spot, even though he gets worked on defense, and then they can bring Keegan until he's 
maybe got his legs under him. I don't know. I just think there's no chance. I don't think, I mean, like, I I haven't looked too much into it, but I've heard that Mezzi didn't even play for Nigeria. Like, he he played, like, 20 minutes a game for Team Nigeria. I don't know how much Mike Brown is really a, a fan of his game. I'm not a fan of his game, for sure. I think I've made that clear throughout throughout our time, but... Um, I uh, my biggest question with Mezzi is just like which Mezzi are we gonna like which who is the actual Chemezi Metu? Will the real Chemezi Metu please stand up? Because I don't know if you were that guy in the first half of the season that was taking five to seven threes a game and um, obviously got that that random five start streak um, and then just kind of was never able to find what he was trying to do out on the court. He was. Uh, you know, like I said, some games he would try and be a spot-up shooter. Other games he would pump fake and drive. Other games he would just kind of live in the post and do a lot of nice hook shots, um, which is kind of who he became towards the end of the season and I think is the more optimal player or version of the two Chemezi Metus. Um, I just don't know. I, I, I don't know what he's, he's going to be asked raw. to do. Yeah, exactly. But he's, but he's almost 26, so it's like, like you said, yeah. who are you? Who are you, my guy? And like, I think at the end of the day, that's the kind of thing that gets you not played completely, especially when you're not a starter. I mean, if you're coming off the bench, you need to have a specific role and know what you're doing in that role and Didn't just execute that role. There's a lot of Buddy Heald in Chemezi Mantu. Oh, absolutely. I don't know if I'm the one who said it, but I completely agree with it because he is just an absolute wild card. And uh, it definitely feels like he plays with a level of freedom that others don't. Like, look, the numbers last year weren't bad. I mean, he played in 60 games, nine points per game, five and a half boards. I mean, he was rebounding. The field goal percentage, 55, I mean, 45, excuse me, 45, I can can live with it. 30 from three, not horrible, not good. It's just kind of... On three attempts a game. Outside of being a 6'9", 6'10", 225-pound body... uh, you know, I just don't know if it's the right move for starting power forward. I really am of the idea that I want to see Keegan Murray start from day one. If he's the if he's yeah. one of these these cornerstones of the franchise for the future, run him out there. Yeah, let him. It's the NBA, man. I mean, I know that there's like a method to this, and there's there's people that know a lot more than I do about how what the right way to do it is. But from what we saw in summer league and what we saw from in college, he is someone who can make a difference on the floor in a variety of different ways. If he's not being if he's getting smothered on defense by NBA defense, he can still defend. I think I can hold his hold his own. He's lengthy enough to to hold his own on the defensive end. Maybe against guys that are not Paul George, mind you, but uh I just think you should start him day one. And as for the bench, the battle to me should be Lyles versus Metu. And I joked or was kind of serious about saying I could see Chimezi starting. I could, but to me, I just don't love Chemezi in the rotation out the gate. I think Trey Lyles really proved that he can be a serviceable backup four. He knows exactly what his role is. He knows what to do. He doesn't overplay his hand. He stays in his lane. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at his numbers last year. Obviously, he was a starter at that point because the Kings moved on from someone I will, I probably shouldn't name, but I'll just say MB3. Hmm. Uh, moving on from him, but 10 points, 5 boards. Very similar numbers from these guys, but... Trey Lyles played for winners. And again, that's like a trend you see with these guys the Kings have brought in. A lot of these guys have played for winning teams. Trey Lyles, mm-hmm. Utah, Denver, the Spurs. I mean, he's won everywhere he's been except for Detroit and Sacramento. So mm-hmm. I think that's so valuable to have on the rotation, on the team, in the locker room. Uh, and hopefully it's on the floor playing minutes. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I, I have no issue with Trey Lyles getting minutes, and he'll probably be one of the lower minutes guys coming off the bench for sure. But I think he he does deserve to get his, you know, ten fifteen minutes out on the court. I think, like you said last year, uh, he he was able to prove that he can do what is asked of him. He had that Oklahoma City game where he just went absolutely ballistic. Uh, he can shoot, which is a huge huge plus, and. Isn't you know isn't a kind of guy like Chimezi who just kind of puts him up. He takes really good shots um, when they're available to him. And weirdly enough, the thing that I kind of always think about when I think of Trey Lyles and why I like his game so much is actually his lack of explosiveness in terms of athleticism. Like I think you know Mezzi is like an incredibly athletic guy for sure. Can can jump out the gym. He had a bunch of highlight dunks. They used to love throwing lobs to him last year. The thing that, I, the reason why I like Trey Lyle's lack of athleticism is I think 
with him being grounded, it really makes him more cerebral and more purposeful with his movements. He doesn't have to rely on, hey, I think I can just outrun this guy or outjump this guy. He really uses his body well and uh, doesn't really overextend himself and do things that he knows he's not capable of doing where, you know, I I guess I'm kind of comparing him to Mezzi here, but, you know, Mezzi kind of leans into into his athleticism, I think, a lot, especially when attacking the rim. I agree. I um I think it's a very intriguing battle to watch. I think a lot of us are focusing on the backup, I'm sorry, third string point guard spot, but the power four position, which has been a revolving door for a while now, is a very intriguing battle to watch. Mm. But another intriguing battle to watch, which is a good transition into the last person on this word they fit uh section, goes hand in hand with the backup small four position, another role that is very mm. undefined. And a player we haven't talked about at all so far. Not much this whole offseason, who I think was Really playing well until he got hurt, broke his hand. Terrence Davis. So I'll ask you right now just to kind of to go up. Does he fit in a small four position or is he someone that, I mean, he's 6'5". I mean, or 6'4". 6'4"? He is 6'4". Six, six I mean, is that backup small four material? Because I know we talk about Ken yeah. Baysmore too. I think he's also six four, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Kent's long though. I think Kent has like seven foot wingspan. The thing that Terrence has going for him is he's really, really built. I mean, Terrence is is a strong. We were talking strong about yoked guy. NBA players. Yeah. yeah, he's yoked. Terrence Davis could definitely, I think, hold with with threes in this league. Um, yeah, Terrence is is a weird, weird case, man. Like, I feel like it's so strange to me how he's put up probably three or four 30 point games just since he's been in Sacramento. And we really don't talk about him. Like, like he's a young, I mean, and this is a guy who, when we got him was still, uh, I think he was in his second year. Yeah. So he's maybe in his fourth year now in the league, still very, very young, um, still on the up and up. And I think he's somebody who could really surprise us this this year. I think the problem he's going to have is, with you know Monk and you know we we started the show talking about the Monk Herder thing, both of those guys are going to probably get twenty five to thirty minutes a game. Uh, Davion Mitchell's going to get probably you said uh, last episode probably near thirty minutes a game. Uh, that doesn't leave a lot of guard minutes available for Terrence Davis to swoop up. The backup three is really the only place he can get those minutes and. With the possible, I only say possible because it hasn't been officially announced, possible additions of KZ Paula and, and Kent Bazemore, two guys who you presume would, would also fight for that backup three. You can also throw Trey Lyles in there. You can throw Keegan Murray, who might steal some minutes at the three. I'm not sure Terrence Davis has many routes to getting on the floor. Well, what do they say? Positionless basketball, right? Right. I mean, if it's positionless basketball, then I guess it doesn't really matter. Well, I guess if you look at it that way, yeah. open spot on the bench. Yeah. Terrence Davis could fit it. Feel, I mean, right? I mean, no, I don't know. He can, he can play anywhere. And that's, yeah, to your point, I think, you know, yeah, if anyone goes down or if anyone's not playing well, I think Terrence is, is the guy, is the first guy that you would think would, would step up into that role. It's just kind of, can he get something solidified? I think uh, all of these guys are good enough to at least get their chance to get a couple games in. Um, but with the exception of maybe like Sam Merrill, but um, I think it's just going to kind of, I think, I think this training camp is really going to matter in terms of, of how the minutes end up shaking out because I don't think there's a lot that really separates them uh, in terms of like Kent Bazemore and Terrence Davis in terms of like impact or what you're trying to do as a team. Speaking of Kent Bazemore, do you remember how he tweeted like I'm like I'm I'm happy for y'all but I'm sick because he oh, turned yeah. <laughs> he turned down more money and a rotation spot on the Warriors and then went to the Lakers and didn't play pretty much the whole yeah. year and did not win a championship. Uh, Kent Bazemore, 33 years old by the way. Yeah, very surprising. I was talking like him and Delhi. He's years older than yeah. than Delhi, which yeah. I did not. Uh, Bazemore's been around for a minute, huh? Well, yeah, he spent like his first three or four years just on the Warriors bench. He like started the bench mob for the Warriors. Like right when uh, when Steph was first on the come up, he he was famous for his bench celebrations. I don't know if you remember that. But. That's right. He came up with that, he came up with the Warriors first of all, and it was him and uh, who played for the King Summer League team that year and was like really Frankie good. Frankie Ferrari. To Frankie Ferrari. Um, uh, let me look it up real quick. But he played for the King Summer League team. Then they got traded to the Lakers together. Oh. I know on. exactly who you're talking about. I just can't think of uh, – I can picture him in my head. 
and he was a guard. I got it. And he was a shooter, and his name was, was um, oh my gosh, ma, uh, ma, no, 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 ma, mar, Vin Bagley, um, <laughs> senior. No, it's, uh, it's Marshawn Brooks. That was not who I was thinking. I he, love Marshawn. Brooks, he played for the King Summer League team uh, the the year when they won the championship with uh, Ray Ray, Ray McCallum. I cannot think of who the hell I'm thinking of, but yes, Marshawn Brooks was an absolute bucket. Marshawn Brooks over seven games for the Memphis Grizzlies in 2017, averaged 20 points per game. Just wanted to throw that in there. Um, okay, well, let's go ahead and put it this way: backup small forward. Who would you rather have it be behind Harrison Barnes? Terrence Davis, Kent Bazemore, Casey Okpala. I think this comes down to styles yet again. And, uh, you know, what what kind of team the Kings are going to want to be this year. I think it's probably going to be Kent Bazemore to start off the season. I think with Mike just Brown with the, connection. Yeah, Mike Brown connection. I think um, just kind of, again, with the type of player that he is or, or wants to be. Um, I think Kent is a lot better defensively than Terrence Davis. Obviously, is not as explosive offensively, but I, I think TD is kind of like a breaking case of emergency. Um, he'll come in if someone has to go down or something like that kind of thing. The Kings, and he's a great fill-in. Yeah, we talk about depth at small at the shooting guard mm-hmm. again. That's three guys: Malik yeah. Monk, Kevin Herter, Terrence, Terrence Davis. Davis. I feel good about all those guys. Yeah. I feel like Terrence Davis gets minutes on most NBA teams. I think he will get minutes in a weird way. Yeah. Like I think I could see him coming in being like an eight, nine minute per game guy, mm-hmm. playing like next to Kevin Herter with who's playing the three. Maybe he comes in for Malik Monk, and I don't know. I mean, it's just it's very interesting to see how. Or maybe TD runs point guard for a bit. And he could. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't. I, I yeah, to I don't spell know. both the Aaron and, we'll and Fox because I mean, they're playing the fourth together. I don't know. Yeah. It's very interesting to to think about it. But that's another side note. Are Fox and – does Mitchell have to be in for closing time? No, absolutely not. Even though it was defense, though? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You sure? Absolutely. Okay. I, I Has to be in? Absolutely not, no. I, I think that's Davion's biggest problem, too, and I think that's where he's going to f- struggle the most in the league is, is just he's not a point guard. He does not – he is not a ball uh, – uh, uh, yeah, a playmaker and really isn't going to be your best option to bring the ball down. Uh, and so defensively, yeah, he can guard point guards and maybe I just, you know, I would much rather have give on the give it night. I guess I would much rather have Malik or, or Herter out there in terms of, you know, if we need to score buckets, I think again, it's probably going to depend on game to game, what we need, if our defense is lacking or if we need some scoring, but I definitely don't think Davion has a, in, Sharpie in the, in the uh, closing lineup for sure. Yeah, I mean, like we talked about uh, the by committee thing. I mean, if the Kings are playing the Warriors, I would say it's pretty. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty confident that Davion's going to be out there just yeah, for his defense for sure. alone. If the Kings are playing Portland, I could see them saying, "Hey, we need scoring right now. Fox, do your best on Dame, but we need Monk yeah. out there. We heard her out there." I think yeah. It also depends on like. The lineup that they're going against, because the problem with Davion being so small is that you then have to kick everyone up. And like Herder said, he can guard threes, or you know, guard up to fours. You're then forcing him to guard threes, and you know, like against the Clippers or something like that. Would you want a situation where Herder has to guard one Kawhi of Kawhi or Paul George? No, no, no you don't. Uh, then also, who one is playing of Harrison Barnes or Keegan Murray in that closing lineup? That's also the issue as well. Yeah. Um, so I think, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely don't think Davion has has shown uh, the offensive ability to be penciled in. Uh, you know, Patrick Beverly doesn't always close games. He does most of the time, but you know, his his offense is going to be a liability. I think at times for sure. Well, uh, you said the hope that's what something that's going to be improved on in year two, but. Uh, no, I totally get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Wait, did you did you make a pick for backup small forward? Um, are you going with by committee? I think it's going to be by committee, just because there's so many people that can fill that spot. You know, I said Keegan Murray, um, and then all of the KZ. We have Akpala, TD, Baysmore, Herder again. Might you know if they want to run Fox Davion lineup, Herder play three, Monk, 
maybe can slip into that three as well. I just think that there's a lot of a lot of people who can fill that bucket. Yeah, that's a good point because sometimes there could be a lineup where none of those guys are playing. Like mm-hmm. it, it could be just like you said, it could be yeah. small ball lineup, mm-hmm. and they just say, you know what, KZ, Baysmore, TD, no one is yeah. playing behind. Yeah. Very interesting behind HB. And so. and I don't I can't I have not done the math yet. I don't know how many open actual roster spots are, there are, but. I can't imagine that all of these guys are going to be able to make so, the uh, make the roster. I believe I saw the roster's full when they announced uh Casey's listed on on basketball reference. Kent Bazemore is not. Uh I think they have to make two cuts, three cuts, which would probably be one of Deli and Cook, you'd imagine, and then probably Monecki. 7 8 9 10 11 12 13 14 15 16 17 Yeah. Um they're going to have to cut, I think the 19 with Baysmore, they have to cut two because it's 17 with two two ways, so 15. So you can have 19 people on your total bench. Oh, I think 17, you can have 17 with two ways. Gotcha. Two two ways. Gotcha. So 15 and then two 15 extra active. Two. Gotcha. And um, that'll be one of or both of Ellis yeah. and Kata. Yeah. Gotcha. So I would say uh, they have to cut two people, which would be one of the one of the point guards, probably Sam Merrill. Oh. <laughs> I might be He's wrong. I completely on that. forgot about Sam. They Merrill. might they might need to cut three people, and I I think that Shima. I think you can. Have 15 on your bench, 12 on your active, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. I, b- I would believe that, yeah. yeah. I think that's right. But, um, yeah, I mean, bigger point is I, I just don't – it'll be interesting to see who even makes the roster because there's a chance KZ's not there. There's a chance Baseboard doesn't make the roster. There's a chance he doesn't make it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize he's 33. I mm-hmm. mean, I think he's older than, than – like, people like – I think Shump is, like, yeah. that old. Like, people yeah. that are out of the league now. I mean, mm-hmm. not that 33 is ancient, but... No, yeah, I mean... I it's... mean, I think he's the oldest player on the Kings, mm-hmm. right? I mean... Yes, yeah. yes, because uh, HB was last year. HB's only 30. 30? 30, 30, going to be 31, yeah. I think he just turned 30. He did. He yeah. just turned 30. Yeah. And he's the... Yeah. Yeah. Everybody else is born uh, 96, 98, 95. Yikes. Rashawn's twenty, going to be 29 in October. Um. Anyways, how would you like to end this? Uh, what do you have? I see. You I have. have uh, have you ever heard of Sporkle? I have. I took a quiz. I Beautiful. went to that thing this morning. I took a quiz about. Uh, I could name all the retired Yankee numbers, which is kind of nice. I did there, a minute. Sporkle, for those who don't know, is just a wonderful quiz website where people have created quizzes for every sports team, TV show, whatever. Name your thing. Uh, and of course, there's a uh, Sacramento Kings section of Sporkle. Um, not sporical like Oracle, just sporkle like S P O R C L E. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they have an entire section of Sacramento Kings t- quizzes and games. Uh, most of it is, uh, you know, it'll give you a prompt top 10 scores of the past 20 years for the Kings. All you got to do, DeMarcus Cousins, type it in, Peja, type it in. We will take a random Sacramento Kings quiz right now, and uh, I'm just curious how it's gonna how it's gonna play out. Which in one terms are we taking? Audio. I'm clicking random, and uh, interesting. Okay, I don't like. I'll let you pick. I guess. So there's one Kings, 25 plus minutes per game each year since 2000, uh, which seems difficult. Uh, we will do 2015-16 opening day roster. Ooh, I like that one. Okay, we'll do that one. So we're I- doing the Kings 2015-2016 opening day roster. Okay. Uh, it we- gives us the colleges. It gives us numbers. It gives us everything. So we Should will I- have some form of help. Should I say it and you type yes. it? Yes, yep. You say you it, sure? I type Okay. Okay. Starting now. All right, here we go. Uh, Cauley-Stein. Yep. Willie Cauley-Stein is an obvious one here. We will go Willie Cauley-Stein. Did I spell it wrong? S-T. There we go. You can just do last name. Cauley-Stein. Number three. Bellinelli. Bellinelli. God, I don't know how to spell that. Marco Bell. You can just do last name, I think. I can't spell it. (laughs) How the hell do you spell B-E-L-L-I. Bell. Got it. Okay. Uh, Anderson, Jason Anderson. No, uh, James Anderson, not Jason Anderson. Jason Anderson. <laughs> From the B, uh, James Anderson. James Anderson. I don't know UCLA, why you Collison. Collison, uh, Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay. Rajon Rondo. Rondo. Cousins. AC. 
AC. I was like AC. Like I don't remember AC. I thought that was uh, Derek Williams. That's where yeah. I was going to go with that. Omri. Omri right. Caspi, Ben McLemore, Caspi, Eric Moreland. Oh, why is Caspi not working? Cas a uh, two S's. Caspi knew my mistake. McLemore, uh, McLemore, Dukin, Duye, Duye, Look at you, Dukin. Is that D U C I N? It's just like I think it's D U K A N, right? Uh, Number thirty from Duke. Who is that? That's uh, Seth Curry. Seth Curry. And then Karan Butler and Costa Kufis. Karan Butler. Butler. Wow. This was a lot easier than I thought. Oh, I love this team. Like, this team was, like, so, like, I okay. wanted it to well, begin so bad. Uh, I wanted it to begin so bad, and it didn't work out. Who was 25, Oregon State? That was Eric Moreland. Moreland. Oh, jeez. Shout out Eric Moreland. And then I. I thought he was going to be really good, too. Bell and I never got Bellinelli spelling right. So let's go Marco Bellinelli. And that is 100% on that quiz, Frank. Congratulations. Woo! You freaking nailed it. Just a guy uh, who's let's, obsessed with the Kings Let's back just do one more random one since, uh, since I was a little faster than I thought it was going to be. What's MVP votes? Uh, that would be like players who have received MVP votes um, from the Kings. I can't go back to 1956, but I mean that's yeah we won't we won't win that one. Let's see here. Uh, we will do. Uh, let's do. Jeez. Let's do. Oh my gosh! You can do 15 minutes for every opening night <laughs> roster. Man, okay. I will. I should have picked one out specifically for this. Uh, let's go. We'll do 2010's Sacramento Kings top scores. This will be okay. how we end it. Okay. Okay. Uh, what the hell is this quiz? Can you name the top 20? It shows their picture. Why would it show their picture? That ruins the entire thing. They don't show it on mine. It's showing it on yours? Yes, it's Let showing it on mine. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, that's spo- <laughs> it that like spoils it. ruins it. We know who these players, what they look like. Yeah. Uh, damn. Let's see. Sorry. This is probably not. Okay. This is, e- oh, not easier. We'll see if we can just do this from 2000. We'll do Sacramento Kings top scorers every season. Okay. We'll try. It goes all the way back to 85. This is from 85 to 2009, 2010. Okay. So. Any names you want to throw out here? Probably Weber, right? Weber. Weber. He is pretty much from 98 to 2002 Stoyak- and as well in 2004. Stojak. Ovik. Damn, that's not how you spell it. <laughs> Man. Peja. Stojakovic. Uh, okay. Kevin Martin. Kevin Martin. Kevin Martin is three of those. Mike Bibby. Bibby. Okay, he was 05. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins. Was Cousins? Nope. He was not the 2009-2010 leading scorer. This only oh, goes no, to 2009-2010. Oh, 9-10. Oh, Tyreek Evans. Yeah. At least yep, one of the it years. was Tyreek Evans. Uh, okay, so we have all of them from 98 to uh, 2010. Do you want to try and get the 90? I mean, Mitch Richmond's probably. Yeah, Mitch, Mitch Richmond, Richmond. Reggie Theus. Uh, Richmond was all the way from 91 to 97. Okay, so well, there's we'll almost do. a decade. Theus was two years. He was 86 and 87. Ooh, what years so we missing? need 85, 88, 89, and 90. Ooh. So this is this is kind of like a, a, big, a big gap for us as I was not born until 95. Frank, you were 93? 94. 94. So this is before we were born here, people. So, so please try and uh, cut um, us some slack. I'm going to go... I honestly Wayman, have no Wayman idea. Tisdale. That's a good guess. We'll see Wayman Tisdale, who was the leading scorer in '89. Um, and then uh, I really have no idea. Rodney McRae. McRae. What are, are you using? Some sort of I'm. I'm just, just looking, like looking I'm, at roster or like I'm on like the Kings like top players list. Mm, okay. Like looking at I'm not looking at their stats or anything. I'm just guessing, but. For everyone who takes other sporical quizzes uh, for the Kings that like are about like their history, history two cheat codes: Oscar Robertson, uh, Jerry Lucas. Those guys like have so many of like the King, the all-time Kings records. So, just a little heads up. I learned that yesterday. Eighty-five, uh, like the first year the Kings came. It here, wasn't Theus. It wasn't Theus. Theus was eighty-six and eighty-seven. Um. 
I don't know, man. Maybe like uh, I know like Otis Thorpe. Nope. Uh, I'm just gonna cheat and look it up. Uh, it could be. Oh, I know who it is. Uh, Why well, I, I saw who it is. Uh, kind of a hint. His his uh first his initials are E J. I mean, I'm gonna assume Johnson, Eddie Johnson, Eddie Johnson, uh, Eddie Johnson. Never heard of Eddie Johnson. I'm really? Sorry. No, never. He came on the the afternoon show a couple times. We had to. Okay. Well. Nope. <laughs> sorry, Eddie. Right. Uh, so we are missing 88 and 90. 88 and 90. I, oh, I randomly typed in Danny Ainge, and Danny Ainge is 88. Danny Ainge led Danny the Kings, Ainge in, led the scoring? Kings in scoring in 1988. you got to be kidding I me. I randomly was like, Danny Ainge? Like, we are missing one, and that is the leading score from 1990-91. Oh, my God. This is in between Wayman Tisdale and Mitch Richmond. I'm not going to look. It's I'm, probably going to be somebody so random. We've probably never heard of them. I'm going to think, uh, uh, you know who would know this 100% Jay Mars. Wow. By, by one, by 0.1 points per game. I know who I saw who it is. Hint. You're never going to get it. It's, oh, it's, it's Antoine Carr. Yeah. Again, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Everyone who's older than us and knows that who the hell Antoine Carr is. I have no idea. I've heard these names. I have never watched. I know some of these words. I know some of these (laughs) words. Yeah. Uh, Awesome. Well, that was fun. Um, Definitely, I would recommend anybody who is bored and uh, needs to kill some time at work. If you want to look like you're typing and no one can see your screen, Sporkle Sporkle. is great. I'm not speaking from previous experience at all. No, not at all. You work hard every day. um, day. Every single day. Uh, Thank you all for listening so much. Uh, hopefully, uh, you guys enjoyed. We will probably be back on Tuesday or early next week. Tuesday with some, uh, who knows? I want to do some Jersey talk on Tuesday. Oh, if they don't announce them by then, if they don't announce them by then, okay. I think we should do some Jersey talk. I'm very down for Jersey talk. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Absolutely. Um, uh, for Frankie Cardicelli, I almost forgot your name. I am Chris Watkins. Thank you all for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.